Welcome to episode 99 of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. This episode is going to be volume one of the brand new UFO Stories series of episodes I'm going to be doing here on the Bobcast. UFO Stories, you know, like abductions, lights in the sky, shadowy figures roaming around your house when there's been multiple UFO sightings in the general area. You're going to hear some stories in this episode, kind of about all that and more straight from the people who lived through and experienced said UFO phenomenon. If you've been listening to the Bobcast for a bit, you might be familiar with the Ghost Stories series of episodes that I've done in the past. These UFO Stories episodes are pretty much the same as the Ghost Stories episodes, just we're talking about UFOs instead of ghosts and haunted places and those kind of things. Coming up will be six stories for you in this episode. I will say a few words about each teller of these UFO tales right before you hear from them. But for now, here they are. Here are those people in order of appearance. First up is Ivy Reed, and she is going to tell us a tale about an encounter she had on a lonely highway in New Mexico. Next is James Farwell. He will regale us with an encounter straight out of a Spielberg movie while you're on acid. Rob Feinstein comes up next. He is going to tell actually two stories. One is about a haunted house, so we're kind of overlapping into the ghost stories series of episodes here. Somehow, some way, they just these these stories keep following me, I guess. And by the way, that is about a haunted house that he lived in, that Rob lived in. After that, Rob's going to tell us a story of a hike where he lost some time and maybe he did end up going on more than just a simple hike through the woods. Chuck Robertson is next, and he's going to check in with a couple of stories about mysterious objects in the sky. Plus, Chuck has some very interesting confirmations about UFO activity from people in very high places. It's very interesting, the Chuck stories. I will say that for sure. Ivy Boyd is next. Ivy's a great friend of the Bobcast a frequent contributor. She has stories about kind of some strange things in the sky and shadowy figures on the ground that happened kind of at the same time. It might be a coincidence. It might not be. I don't know. No, and last but not least, we have Marcos Klein, who has a very interesting tale about a strange vacation on the beach in Mazatlan, Mexico. Yes, indeed. Now, before the stories, kind of in between them, and at the very end of the episode, there are going to be some songs, because it wouldn't be a proper Bobcast without music, now would it? I'm going to kind of set the mood for the stories to come with the very first song. That song is Electric Shock Pulse by the band Creepazoid. And I don't know much about Creepazoid. I found them kind of on accident. I do know this, though. They rule. And they're also from Buffalo, New York. What happened was I was looking for a cover of Teenagers from Mars by the Misfits for this episode. And I found Creepazoid on Bandcamp because they did a cover of that song. It's a three-song EP kind of thing they have up on Bandcamp. I listened to all the songs. And their original songs, holy shit, they're amazing. They're great. Kind of this new wave meets punk. And yeah, really, really great stuff. And I like their original stuff way more than that Misfits song. So here they are on the Bobcast. That says a lot for me to pass up a Misfits cover in a Bobcast episode to play one of their original songs. That really does say quite a bit about Creepazoid. They're awesome. After we hear from Creepazoid, 
and we'll get to a couple of stories, is going to be a song by the band Bison. And that's the band in which James Farwell is the singer and guitarist. Bison is super metal. God, I love them. They're so, so great. After a couple more stories, we're going to hear a song by the band The Mad Caddies. And in fact, that comes up right after Chuck Robertson's story. Well, because Chuck is the singer of The Mad Caddies. Yes, very cool. At the very end of the episode, there is going to be one more song by Bison, because I believe that we do need more of the band Bison in our lives. Right now, though, we are going to hear a few words from this episode's sponsor, the wonderful, the incredible, the amazing Discount Cemetery. Please stand by. What the? What is that thing? Greetings, human. Take us to your leader. Who? What? The president? The pope? What kind of leader are you looking for? No puny earthling. We seek the leading makers of body coverings on this pathetic planet's discount cemetery. We have probed the universe for the fearsomely finest clothing, and our calculations have led us here. We desire several items from the Scout Cemetery, such as the Phoenix Lights Long Sleeve Tee, the Groundskeeper Jersey, the Roswell 47 Pocket Tee, and the Evil Dead-inspired Groovy Raglan. Entity cold! Cease the mutilations at once. We are here for Discount Cemetery garments, not further bovine probings. Well, I can tell you that if you go to www.discountcemetery.com, you can browse the entire collection of Discount Cemetery t-shirts, raglans, outerwear, the Gravely Femline, accessories, and more. Also, if you use the code PARTYWITHBOB at checkout, you'll save 20% off your entire order. On top of all that information, I will tell you this, orders over $100 on www.discountcemetery.com will receive free shipping in the United States. Thank you, human. You've been most helpful. Now, please look at this red light for a moment. That's right, you don't need to be from another planet or even another dimension to get out of this world deals on the greatest goods in the galaxy from Discount Cemetery. Just go to www.discountcemetery.com where you can browse the entire collection of ghoulishly groovy clothing and accessories. Always remember to use the code PARTYWITHBOB at checkout for 20% off your entire order, plus... Orders over $100 qualify for free shipping in the United States. So don't delay. Go to www.discountcemetery.com today before these deals disappear into the night. All right, before we get to that Creepazoid song and the stories, let me say one thing real quick. Why am I doing an episode about UFOs? It doesn't seem like something that I would normally cover or care about even or or talk about or whatever. I'm kind of the guy that talks to punk bands and talks about ghosts and other kind of paranormal subjects, right? That is true. 
This is kind of the short version on how we got to a UFO episode on the Bobcast. I watched a documentary called Hellier recently. There are two seasons of Hellier. Kind of the deeper you get into this series, the stranger this documentary thing gets. It gets weird, right? The series does get its name from a town called Hellier, which is in Kentucky. That is a very small town where some very strange things are said to have happened. This show makes some very interesting correlations between supernatural events, ghosts, goblins in caves, UFOs, the Mothman cryptid, and a lot more. It is a fucking mind-blowing series. It really is like the craziest, gnarliest stuff I've ever seen. The story is very compelling. The cinematography and the production of the series is absolutely amazing. You should watch Hellier if you have any interest in ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, the paranormal, just period. I'm going to leave it at that. Watch Hellier if you're interested in any of those things. It's an amazing series. It really is. While I was watching Hellier, the cast of the show kept mentioning a being named Indrid Cold. They kept mentioning an author named John Keel. And there were a bunch of references to the Mothman kind of here and there. So I started looking into what's Indrid Cold, who's John Keel, and what is the Mothman? I had an idea, but really didn't know that much about the Mothman. Well, holy shit, okay? John Keel wrote a book called The Mothman Prophecies. And in that book, he talks all about this being named Indrid Cold. talks a lot about the Mothman, UFOs some very strange things that happened in Point Pleasant, West Virginia in the 1960s in the United States and also kind of all over the world, all over the country. It's a trip. John Keel does say in the book, The Mothman Prophecies, that ghost phenomena and UFO phenomena might be kind of related. He starts kind of tying the two together, okay? He says... UFOs may not be from another planet or another galaxy or solar system or whatever, that they're from another dimension called the Ultraverse. Thus, they're not extraterrestrials, like from outside of our solar system or whatever. They're ultra-terrestrials from this weird, like, other dimension, something like that. It's really crazy. It, it's very compelling the way that he tells the story, the way that John Keel tells the story. That fucking book is all over the place, so it's kind of hard to read. It's not very linear, but when you kind of put it all together, it's extremely compelling and very, very interesting, okay? UFOs, ghosts, hauntings, cryptids like Bigfoot, they're all kind of part of the same paranormal phenomena, and that's incredible to think about that because when you start to think about it, it does kind of start to make sense, and that's why we're here. That's why I decided to do an episode all about UFOs. UFOs essentially might just be ghosts up flying around in the sky, flashing lights. That might be the simplest way to put it. I don't know. I don't know if I believe everything that Keel has to say. For sure, I am taking it all with a grain of salt. As of right now, I'm reading the follow-up book to Mothman Prophecies, and that book is called The Eighth Tower. That book is gnarly. This is one of the things that he kind of says. Jesus and all these other religious figures might have been like ultra-terrestrials. We might have been influenced all throughout our history by these weird ultra-terrestrial type of beings. And it is fucking mind-blowing. Again, 
it's very hard for me to wrap my brain around that kind of stuff, but I don't know. Take it with a grain of salt. Think what you want to think, that kind of thing. It's pretty compelling to me, though. It really is. I would say just read the books. Read those two books. Especially read Mothman Prophecies if you have any interest in UFOs and the paranormal. It's a very interesting book. The Eighth Tower doesn't make sense for you to read if you didn't like Mothman Prophecies or thought, well, this is this book's kind of full of shit or whatever. Don't even bother with Eighth Tower. I would also very highly recommend if you have any interest in the paranormal or UFOs or anything like that, definitely watch Hellier. In either case, decide for yourself. So let's get to it. Let's hear a song, Electric Shock Pulse by the band Creepzoid, and then we're going to get straight to the stories. Please stay tuned. Thank you so much, Creepazoid, for the song. Some members of the band have gone on to form a couple new bands, Off the Avenue and 737. You can check those bands out on Bandcamp. Links will be on this episode's page of the Bobcast website, by the way. Ivy Reed is up first with the very first story of this episode, and this story is about an encounter she had 
while she was driving on a lonely stretch of highway in the middle of nowhere, New Mexico. This one did spook me pretty good. Let's hear Ivy's story. Well, this is 100% a UFO. Like, no if and or but about it. I So this happened to me, my story happened to me in, I, I was maybe uh, 2002, 2003. I have been an average believer in what I experienced and saw, and nobody believed me. Everybody made fun of me. My mother thought it was the funniest thing in the world and, you know, family would prank me about it and thinking, you know, that I was just being silly. But it's funny to me now that they have publicly released facts that there are such things as, you know, aliens and we have been in contact with them. Kind of like, haha, I told you so. There was many years of being, you know, kind of poked fun at or... You know, for seeing this, and I flat out, like, no ifs, ands, or buts. Like, it 100% happened. And I wasn't drunk. I wasn't high. I, you know, I didn't I didn't drop a bunch of acid or anything <laughs> like that. You know, this sure. was, you know, something that actually truly happened. I was, uh, like I said, this was like, you know, 2002, 2003, something like that. I was living out of my van at the time. I had a Plymouth, a white Plymouth Voyager that I kind of turned into a little apartment. Sure. And it was just me and my, I had a Siberian husky named Priscilla. So it was just me and Priscilla and we were driving from Philadelphia to Los Angeles. And I had decided to take the 10 over. I wanted to drop down the 95 and cut over on the 10 because I like that route going down there. So, um, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have a job and, you know, I was just living out of my van. So I kind of like, there was no time limit on, you know, whatever I was just like leisurely driving. Sure. And what I was doing is I was for gas money. I was pulling over at gas stations and I would write on a cardboard sign. Like I would fly a sign saying need gas, please help. (laughs) And I was just handling money to get to LA, you know? So it was. I, I like to make my drives at night because there's no traffic. There's no other cars. It's just kind of smooth sailing. So I was, oddly enough, in uh, New Mexico on this drive. And I was on the 10 in New Mexico. And it was just straight, flat, just nothing around straight road, right? And I noticed the stars. And in the city, you kind of can't see the stars very well and whenever you're out where there's less light pollution you can really notice the stars and the road was straight so I kind of had a chance to kind of look up and kind of check out the stars and you could see almost all of them and then I noticed an oval like long ways oval start moving up that was also stars so it okay so it's kind of hard to describe so it was the whole sky was covered in stars and black. Yeah. And it's all the same pattern. And so there was something clearly camouflaged in a clear shape that had the same pattern over top of it, but it started to move 
but the camouflage on it didn't move, so you could see it, like, moving over, you know? Really hard to articulate how it looked, but I could see the shape of it, and it was, and so it wasn't, like, a mirrored, or, like, you know, uh, it, I could see that it was something that was made to look like stars that was in an oval, and it was right in front of the car, and then it, like, moved up and then over my van. And I'm freaking out. I'm yelling at Priscilla, like, she can help me or something. And I'm going, oh, my God. And I'm all alone. I'm young. I'm all alone. There's no other cars around. I didn't even see another car for miles. Wow. You know, it's like, it was probably four or five in the morning. And I start freaking out. And I had this little flip phone. This little uh, silver flip phone that was, you know, back then that was, you know, there was nothing fancy yet. And so I freaked out and I didn't know what to do. And I was like, should I call 911? I felt like I was about, like, I knew it was an alien, you know? Yeah. And I felt like I was about to get sucked up into whatever this thing was. And it was so close to my car. Like, I could see, once I noticed it, it was right above the car and it was driving with me. Holy cow. It was very, very close to the car. And then Priscilla starts to get on, all uncomfortable and she starts talking. You know how huskies kind of talk and make like, you know, little tripping sounds. So I was like, I'm not going to call the cops because that's, I don't feel like that's going to help me. And so I called my mom <laughs> and, you know, I wake her up and she's, you know, she's in Pennsylvania. And so I call my mom and, and I was like, there is a UFO right above the car. I think it's about to abduct me. And my mom's going, what the hell are you talking about? Child, stop driving, go to sleep. You're obviously, you've been driving too long. Just, just go to bed. And I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. Just stay on the phone with me. If I get abducted, call somebody, let somebody know this right. is happening right now. And she's just laughing. I'm terrified. I'm shaking in my boots. Uh, but I can't pull over like I didn't. So I'm trying to speed maybe to like get get somebody's like if there's a copper out there or something to get somebody's attention. So I start flying going like 90 and I'm like full on panicking and I'm like crying and I'm like, this is it. I'm going to get I've seen these movies. This is right. this is how it ends, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then it just goes straight up in the air and goes away to me that was so it, it was like kissing my car it was so close Wow. you know what i mean i mean close enough that your dog noticed something was off something yeah. weird is going on here you know yeah you know and priscilla like you know huskies are, are uh they're pretty vocal you know sure like they make different sounds for different things and she was making a there's somebody right there sound, you know? Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. Like if somebody was at the door or if somebody at your yeah. house or however you want to say it. Dogs have different pitches for, for things, especially huskies. They they have a leave me alone sound or an I love you sound. And then they have a there's, there's somebody here sound. And that is the sound. Like, oh, like no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Anybody that owns a husky knows exactly what I'm talking about. Right, yeah. And so, you know, I was, 
like how else do you describe that? You know, oh, you were just tired or, oh, you know, you had been driving on a long road and, you know, sometimes, you know, your eyes play tricks on you. And it's like, okay, correct. I have many times on a long drive have started to see shadow people. You know what I mean? When you're tired and driving. Yes. But this was not that. (laughs) This was not that at all. I, I feel like whatever it was, was like peeking in through my window, listening and looking at what I was doing. Right. Like just checking me out, heard me on the phone, freaking out. Well, thank you, Ivy Reed, for your story. I appreciate it. Next up is a story by James Farwell of British Columbia, Canada. Future home of the Bobcast, by the way. I hope... James and I go back a long time, around 20 years. That's how long we've known each other, very long time. James currently sings and plays guitar in the band Bison. They were formerly known as Bison BC. Though when I met James, he was in a band called Streets. And Streets stands for Skateboarding Totally Rules Everything Else Totally Sucks. It was the best band name ever. Well, here's James with a story straight out of a special effects sequence from an M. Night Shyamalan movie, followed immediately by the song Dark Skies Above, which is by the band Bison. I have a UFO story. So, let you know before, this was a this was an experience that I had while on hallucinogenics. Sure. Okay. You know, which immediately, like, negates it all. Like, oh, right. Okay, yeah, you saw a UFO on acid. So. Right. Uh, however, I was I was tripping with a, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine at the time, and she saw exactly, like, she had the exact same experience. She saw the exact same thing, the exact same experience, and also she was not able to uh, reasonably explain it afterwards. I've, I probably have never been so scared since. And I'm, you know, and I'm a bit of an acid casualty because I ended up doing, you know, living about three years of my life on LSD, which was, well, you know, it was, it was a thing to do back sure. in uh, Vancouver in the uh, early 90s. Right, right. A- acid was everywhere and it was really good. So, and it was cheap. So you could drop a tab and then trip out for 12 hours and whatever. But not, but I never saw another UFO after that. So here's the story. My friend, we'll call her Mary. And Mary was a good friend of mine. And she's the type of friend where, like, I had a huge crush on Mary. But I was always, growing up, I was always, like, the best friend. Ah, you know? Okay, yeah. Like, I was kind of like, you know, I was a fat kid. And I was pretty nerdy. And, you know, I, I was just a lost cause. So I was always, like, the cool friend, you know, because I was super funny as you have to do growing up a fat kid, you just turn into this really funny person. Anyway, so it's one of those situations. So I'm hanging out with my crush. She's kind of like a bit of a hippie, but back then it was more like a, I, I probably call her like a bit of like a Lollapalooza type hippie. Is that, can you kind of feel what I'm saying? More Lilith fair. I'd I'd put more in like the Lilith fair category. There you go. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that for sure. Okay. So, so she has all the drugs all the time. I'm not much of a drug guy, no hard drugs. 
at this point in my life. Uh, it was all beer, weed, and LSD. So she has all the drugs. So she has this LSD, and she's like, hey, you, do you want to draw pass with me? I'm like, uh, yeah, I'll spend 12 hours with you. Yes, I want to do that. <laughs> I really do. We meet downtown, and the punks in Winnipeg at this time used to hang out at the library square downtown where you, you kick back, uh, you know, a Mickey of Southern Comfort, and then you'd, uh, you know, drop acid. So we dropped acid, and we did our thing, and we uh, messed around there, and we ended up back at her place, which is another bonus of me spending this time with her. It would be, eventually I knew we would end up back at her place. Because ah. her, her parents were also the type of parents where I think they were pretty, well, they were either really progressive or they were really negligent. So I'm not really sure which one it, it was. Sure. It was, it was kind of like a don't ask, don't tell, you know? And also with this underlining, and me being a parent now, I appreciate this. It's sort of like, I would rather you do it in our house than out in the fucking scary, terrifying, violent Winnipeg night. So her parents were there, but they're not involved. She had a base. She lived in the in their basement, and she had like her own her own little world down there. So her basement kind of opened up out onto like a patio. So there's these big, you know, windows and like a sliding patio door. So we're like, you know, tripping out and and talking, and I'm trying to be like as charming as I can, and, which is hard to do when you're on acid and you can't really think straight. So who knows? And then all of a sudden, I guess it started with like a, it was like a rumble, a, a thing that Winnipeg at the time where we lived, it was a, a major thoroughfare for uh, airplanes coming into landings. So they were like, not like right above your house, but they're, you know, they're, they're on their way down. So it, it, airplanes were loud. Sure. So at first I thought it was an airplane, just airplane traffic. But then I would, but quickly we were like, yeah, that's pretty loud for an airplane. And then, you know, it happened so quickly that it became louder. Light seemingly shone right straight down uh, into her backyard, like from her, uh, like that we could see out her back. And she had these blinds. The screen windows were open and then the uh, sliding patio door was partly open because we were also like smoking pot and we wanted we needed to air out the place or whatever <laughs> actually it was hash she had really good hash like i don't know it's one of those where i just kind of didn't want to know like how she got all this good drugs <laughs> you know what i mean like i didn't want to know anything further more of the don't that's, ask don't tell there's a lot yeah. of don't ask don't tell in here it seems yeah. like so. oh there we go that's and that's a very like that's a classic Winnipeg kind of situation there. Like, is it? this is Winnipeg. Where did you get that oh, amazing right. who, cat, who cat trafficked from? this up here, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's all up the Mississippi, all the way to the Red River, right? <laughs> anyway, so we're talking the hashish, and, and so this this light is happening, and it's blowing. The blinds are going crazy, and it's like, I remember... We were like, there's a helicopter landing in your backyard. I mean, we were trying to rationalize it. We were unable to. We were both screaming and freaking out. And then it went away. Wow. And, uh, and it, was, 
it was very, I mean, it was visual because there was lights, but it wasn't like crazy, you know, like flashy, you know, Paisley, uh, you know, oil and water, you know, yeah, like di- light. even like, like different color lights or anything. No, like that. It was just, just bright just light, white, bright white light that could very nondescript. But it was that it really was like something was landing or hovering, but there was no other noise other than at this point just the the wind, like or the air from this whatever it was blowing through the, the, the window, blowing the blinds around. And there are those plastic slap or those like tin slap blinds. So that it's really noisy and loud and shaking all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Very loud and chaotic, but yeah, it lasted, you know, realistic. It probably lasted about like t- 20 seconds maybe, or not even. And it came in really quickly. That low rumble, which we thought was an airplane escalated to this sort of like, really powerful whatever it was so we were too terrified to look outside at what it was so there was other than experiencing the the visuals of the lights and the blinds going everywhere we couldn't we couldn't see like we didn't see a spaceship we didn't see anything like that so this so the the experience was largely the uh result of something being outside of our of, of that room there can be a moment where you're about to have a bad trip uh when you're uh, on lsd and there's this moment where you're kind of like you can feel it just gripping you and it's almost like it's gonna it's gonna kind of tear apart what would be the fabric of reality where you don't really want that to be completely gone yeah. Or else you're screwed. So that was never, I, I managed to hold it together, right? Yeah. So that's the other reason why I think it was, or I, I believe it, because it didn't scar me, you know? It didn't scar me that I thought it was this sort of like dark thing that had happened that I had slipped into. Like there had to be a real explanation for it. Which is why, to this day, I do believe it was something hovering over her backyard. And I remember when we were able to go, and this is super late at night, so I know the next day, we were kind of like, with her parents kind of waiting to be like, wow, that was crazy last night, right? Like, what happened? But they're asleep. Also, they have their probably, they're very good sleepers due to, probably some type of uh, help from a psychotropic or, uh, you know, some type of the very deep sleep. They had a way, sure. <laughs> they had a way to, to keep it. And I think that Mary was also kind of like noisy and coming in and out a lot. So I think they've had, they know how to deal with living with their active, fairly inconsiderate, you know, we were teenagers, so fairly inconsiderate, loud, obnoxious, daughter so i'm thinking that they're wearing like they wear like earplugs and all kind of shit like that you know and we are no longer in touch but for for a long time after that we we often kind of tried to figure out you know i do believe that there's something out there you know you have to choose to right sure because i think it's i think it's also more terrifying for humanity 
that there's nothing out there is more terrifying. Why isn't there anything out there? Because some horrible thing must have happened to any other civilization that was out in space if we haven't seen hide nor hair of them yet. What, what's on the horizon for us then? Like, what's going to come and end us? Because there has to be an ending, right?
Well, thank you, James, for your story. And also, thank you, James and Bison, for the song. Okay, well, he was on acid when the story took place, right? And honestly, if that were the case for almost anyone else, I would not have played that story in this episode. But here's one thing, okay? Both James and Mary experienced exactly the same thing. I personally don't think that what James encountered, James and Mary, I should say, was part of their trip. I really don't. Based on what James said, and also, I don't think you can have an exact same shared experience when you're tripping on acid. I don't think so. And I did check WebMD, and WebMD doesn't say you can have like a shared trip. I don't know. Maybe you can. I do trust James, though, and I trust that he did see something very strange. Well, next up is a story that will be told by Rob Feinstein, and it's about a walk through the woods that might have ended up being more than just kind of a casual hike. As a little bonus, Rob did tell me a little story about a haunted house in which he lived. Here's Rob. I'll tell you my uh, my ghost story right quick. So I, I bought a house. It was built in 1910, and uh, I was only the third owner of this house. I bought it in probably right around 99 or 2000. Okay. And the guy, the guy that originally bought that was a lawyer, and he lived there his whole adult life. He got real, you know, into his 90s or whatever the neighborhood got kind of bad around that time. And he like, he wouldn't lock his doors at night or he'd forget someone came into the house and they brought him up to the attic and they tied him up in the attic. They basically just tied him up there and just left him there to die. Oh shit. As they were robbing his house. So my neighbor that had been there since the seventies told me that story. And I never experienced anything personally in the house, but my ex-wife, my wife at the time, she said that like doors would slam shut all the time. Like she said, she saw candles light themselves, like some real crazy stuff. And uh, one night we were, we were up in the attic, just kind of looking around up there. And there were some old newspapers from the thirties. And she was like, yeah, let's put these on eBay and see what we can get for them. And I'm like, I just had a feeling. I was like, you know what? We need to put these right back in the wall where they were. <laughs> so I just, I just put them back. And, you know, I was always respectful and, and she was not. And, you know, all sorts of stuff happened to her in the house. And nothing ever happened to me. Wow. And then I had a roommate that used to, he used the attic as like a workout room and his dog would follow him everywhere he went. The dog was one foot behind him everywhere he went. And when he went in the attic, the dog would sit at the bottom of the stairs and would not go up the attic stairs. All right. So you have a tale. You lost some time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more of a lost time story than an actual sighting or anything. But yeah, we lost about four hours with no, no good explanation. So I was like, I was about 16 years old and, uh, my best friend and I, we walked down a trail about a hundred yards from our houses, smoke a cigarette. Uh, it was about 7 PM on a clear sunny night in May in uh, upstate New York, Rochester, suburban 
Rochester, almost rural. Smoked two cigarettes each. And um, one thing to note about this trail is there's only one way in. There's only one way out. On one side is uh, a creek that you'd have to be pretty determined to cross it. On the other side is a steep burn that you you could climb it if you really needed to, but you probably wouldn't. Sure. You know, uh, um, same thing at the end of the trail was, was basically just, you know, like a 12 foot berm that's wooded and mudded. So you're, you're really not going to climb that unless, you know, somebody's chasing you. Or <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so soon after we got there, uh, a jogger ran past us. Next thing we knew, it was almost midnight and we never saw that jogger run back by us. And we lost about four hours of time there. You know, another in- interesting factor here on, on our walk home, Craig and I were completely silent the whole way until we were just about home and we just kind of looked at each other and was like, dude, it's pitch blackout. What's going on here? And then even weirder, his parents were super strict. Super, super strict. Like, if he came home past his 9 o'clock curfew, his mother would attack him with a high-heeled shoe. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. so he comes walking into the house at midnight, and nothing happened. Parents were sitting there and said, oh, hi, Craig. And he just walked up to his room and went to bed. And what time did you guys leave? What time did you guys start walking towards the trail or on the trail? We, we think it was about 7 o'clock or so. Okay. 7 or so that we left our house. Um, I know it was completely sunny at that time. So, you know, it was just very strange to us. You know, we didn't really talk about it till the next day. And we kind of put, put our heads together and said, wait a minute, didn't, didn't that one jogger jog by us and we never saw him come out? We even checked our cigarette packs and saw that we only smoked two cigarettes each, you know? So where did this time go? It's, hard to say I, I don't i don't have an explanation i don't recall anything weird i don't recall seeing anything you know i i guess one weird thing is my whole neighborhood the whole area we grew up was indian land there was some kind of weird stuff that went on we had three different neighbors that committed suicide we had one that went crazy was like dragged out to the loony bin wow so you know, for an affluent suburban rural neighborhood, it was pretty weird. Thank you, Rob, for your stories. That's kind of a weird story, isn't it? I mean, Rob and his friend, they didn't see anything weird. They don't remember anything strange or unusual, you know, other than the disappearing jogger. According to Rob, they weren't fucked up. They weren't drunk. They weren't doing anything other than just going out in the woods to smoke cigarettes and get away from home for a while, right? Next thing they knew, it was midnight, and the parents were like, oh, okay, yeah, hey, hey, guys. Yeah, that's very strange. That's a good one. I will leave that story up to your imagination. Well, speaking of imagination, in the next couple stories, you're really not going to have to fill in any of the blanks. They're pretty straightforward stories. There are three of them, 
And they are all told by one person, Chuck Robertson, who's the singer of the band Mad Caddies. The stories you're about to hear from Chuck are pretty mind-blowing. You're going to see really kind of crazy shit, really gnarly. Right after we hear from Chuck, we're going to listen to a song by the Mad Caddies, and it's a cover song. The song is called Alien 8, which is very appropriate for this episode, by the way. And that song is a Lagwagon cover. Here is Chuck with his stories. I'm Chuck Robertson. Uh, I'm from the band Mad Caddy. Yeah, yeah. And um, I have a real UFO story. It was February 2013, President's Day weekend. My ex-wife and I and two other couples, and um, we were camping down at Refugio State Beach, which is just north of Santa Barbara, about 20 miles. Mm. Really popular state campground, beautiful beach. I call it my temple. Um, I've been going there since I was two years old, and it's like, that's where I go to church, is Refugio Beach. It uh, literally means refuge in Spanish. It was a beautiful Sunday evening on a long weekend, so it was like, you know, the Friday off and the Monday off, so the place is packed with campers, and, and we get seasonally, as you know, down in San Diego, February sometimes, if it's not raining, we get some of the nicest beach weather. Absolutely. There's no fog and those 80-degree short days, and it's just really clear skies, and it's just awesome. And so three, my ex-wife and I and my friend, um, well, I, I won't name them, but two other professional couples. Um, it was only about nine o'clock at night. Uh, no one was inebriated. You know, we maybe had a couple of beers. We just finished dinner. And if it serves my memory correct, yes. The first sighting was my ex-wife, Callie, goes, oh, my God, what's that in the sky? And we're under, we're sitting around the campfire and the beach in a campground that has maybe, let's see, 70 sites in this cove. And the where we are, the ocean is facing south because it's that part on California where it point conception and it goes down on the map. And so like you're actually looking at San Diego and LA when you're looking at the ocean where we are in Santa Barbara County yeah. for like this forty mile stretch. And we're only fifty yards from the beach, from the ocean. We have like one of the prime camp spots, but there's some oaks and some scrubs, trees around us. And my ex wife goes, Look at that orange light. I go, whoa. She goes, is that one of those Chinese lanterns or the, I think they're not Chinese, but the, I think Indonesian or Thai, you know, where they put the candles in those little lanterns. Like maybe it's someone in the campground. I go, uh, uh, that thing is way up there, way big. Oh my God. And then I go, I turn around to my friend who I won't name. I go, blah, blah, blah. Cause he's in the car, the first generation of vaporizers. Like they look like hot glue guns and he's like smoking weed in the car with one of those plug-in vaporizers. <laughs> right. I think he's still in the car. He's standing right behind me because they'd already seen it. So him and my other buddy. So now there's three of the guys, three girls, we're all looking at this and now the whole campground's looking at it and everybody's coming out of their campsites and going, what the F is this, you know? Right. And we walk out into the clearing with a 100% view of the night sky looking south to the Pacific Ocean. And here it is, the moon, I look to the left, the moon's just to the left, and it's half full, and I cover it up with my thumb to get size. And then I move over to the object that we're now speaking of. It's falling from space, and it's the size of the half moon, but it has three dimensions. The inner dimension, which would take, I, I, I call it a fried egg, but picture a fried egg if it was a perfect circle. Yeah. The yolk was bright orange, and it took up one-third of the circle. And then two-thirds, I call the egg white, was white and purple plasma that was moving. 
and it was the size of the fucking half moon. And my estimation, because, you know, I've flown around the world for 26 years. I love commercial aircraft, and I know where we're at and stuff, you know. Yeah. And I was estimated to be, like, started at, like, 80,000 feet, maybe 100,000 feet. I mean, at this point now, there's, like, 30 of us all standing out in the parking lot right by the beach, all walk from our campsites, and we're like, what is this? Oh, my God. Not making any noise. And it's just falling straight down at a very methodical slow speed. This orange, white, and purple plasma ship, I call it. And then it just stopped at, a, would I estimate, anywhere between, say, twenty five and 50,000 feet. Because I know where the, the jets fly, you know. We know the routes, like, oh, that one's going to San Francisco. We're kind of under I-5 of, of between LAX and SFO and flights to go to Hawaii. And we have Vandenberg Air Force Base, which will be kind of a, a cool thing at the end of the story. Don't let me forget. Okay. Um, you know, which is, a, a, that's where SpaceX is. And anyway, they launch a lot of rockets. I watch them from my house. Uh, but this is not that. And it just stops. And then it just stays there for, I don't know, let's say 20, 30 seconds. At this point, we've been watching it for maybe two minutes. And then it just slowly starts tracking north towards San Francisco. And we watch it for about a minute until it disappears. And that was it. And, yeah, everyone of sober mind, of clear vision, of, you know, 30. Yeah, it was 30 years old. I, you know, I still have perfect vision. You know, and, and, and I've never had delusions. I've seen so much stuff, man. I've seen, I mean, where I live, with it's a hot spot. We have the Pacific Ocean off there, the Mariana Trench. We've got Vandenberg Air Force Base, you know. This part of Southern California is really active. And I've seen tons of stuff. I'm, I'm an avid star watcher, but I've never seen anything like that just completely shook my world. I'm like, that was a plasma ship. It just flew in from space, stopped at cruising altitude, and then went. We don't have anything that does that. Right. We don't have anything that just does these 90 degree angles with the, that's something that's brighter or as bright as the half moon in the sky. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it changed all of us. And we were so befuddled that there was nothing on MUFON about it, on the Mutual UFO Reporting Network. I mean, at least tens of thousands of people must have seen this thing on a Sunday night at like 8.45, 9 o'clock on President's Day weekend on a beautiful clear night where everybody would have been out, you know, just cleaning up their barbecue and looking at the stars with the margarita nice. in their hand. I mean, come on. And there was nothing on the news. Total blackout. I'm like weird and we you know i looked for years and, and just never never saw anything and so uh yeah that was the big one and then fast forward i don't know 10 11 years so about two years ago i'm wine tasting with my buddy on like a monday at his place he, buddy a musician friend has a little wine tasting room where we are and it was like pouring rain i had nothing to do he's like hey come over and drink some free wine i'm like right on and there was some random tourists in town and this girl starts chatting me up and her boyfriend works at NASA at Vandenberg Air Force Base. Ah. And I start talking about UFOs, and she goes, oh, you should talk to my boyfriend. You know, they're allowed to talk now since, like, the whole disclosure thing and the Tic Tac. So this is pretty recent. This must have been within the last few years, yeah. And I go, well, I've got two stories. I told him the one I just told you. And then I go, and I've got a recent one. I saw a cigar ship come over the mountains last year, and it, I watched it for a minute, and it went towards you guys' base. What's up with the, the cigar ship? He goes, that was up. He goes, that's our unmanned space drone. And it looks like a cigar when it comes in. It's got this purple tail and it's like, cool, man. I'm like, so what about the other one? He goes, that was that. Oh. He goes, he goes I remember. I, he's like, I've been there. 
like, who are they? He's like, I, he's like, we don't know. We just, we keep track of them in the higher up, but we're allowed to talk about it now. Cool. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. And so that's, you know, it felt really good to be uh, validated. And like, okay, I'm not crazy. We all witnessed this thing. I'm, I mean, I'm, I've wanted to believe since I was a little kid. I, I, I love sci-fi books and, you know, of course believe that there's other life out there. But, like, do they want to come talk to us? I don't know. We're pretty stupid. So, you know, I'm a storyteller and I love the three-part, you know, series. So we got the two. We got the real ship. We got the cigar. Now are you ready for the grand finale? Dude? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, this goes straight to the top, brother. And I'm not yanking your chain here. Gotcha. Growing up in Santa Barbara and, and San Inez, I've grown up with a bunch of very, very wealthy people, myself not included, son of a fisherman and a shop owner, or an abalone diver, rather. And I'm a poor musician. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I grew up around a lot of very influenced people, let's just put it that way. Sure. And they all love playing funk music, too. I will leave all these people unnamed, but this is a very true story. So it got around that I had this UFO story, the one I told you, you know, to my friends and family and stuff. And so this was very recent. Let's see. Yeah, this was three Easter's ago. And we were in my hometown visiting with some family and my buddy's dad was in town and he grew up, was in a fraternity with Bill Clinton and uh, worked on the Clinton campaign and the Hillary campaign and is very good friends with Clinton from Arkansas. And he uh, wanted to say, Hey Chuck, <laughs> you know, um, that person, my son, says you have a cool UFO story, man. I want to hear it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, for sure. And he's like, because I got something for you. I'm like, yeah, that's what he said. So, yeah, yeah, change it. He goes, okay, you first, man. I'm like, all right. So I told him the story. He told about the plasma ship. I'm like, okay, now you're. He goes, all right, man. First day, Bill Clinton's in the office, man. First fucking day. We all call him up. We're on speakerphone. There's like eight of us. Like, what's up with Roswell, man? What's up with Roswell, dude? Are they really good? All I can tell you, boys, is we are not alone. And they all just go, yeah! Straight from the president, dude. To my buddy's dad. Not a lie. Not a lie. Totally, wow. you know, totally real, brother. Oh, my And that's just like, that just, that, then I'm just cruising around going, like, I'm just like, boom, Howard. Just, 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 <laughs> oh, I'm feeling good. And all my buddies have told me aliens aren't real. You can go and because <laughs> I got it straight from DC's mouth, man. One degree away from the president, man. Come on. There's Come like on. double confirmation. You get this guy that works on Vandenberg, and then you get this I guy know. who's buddies with Clinton, and they both confirm Dude, it. My, one of my best friends' dad grew up with Clinton, man, and I ain't. Of course, not going to name drop. They're very well yeah. known around here. I'm not going to throw them under the bus, dude. But sure. they know who they are, and he's going to, if he ever hears it, he's going to get a kick out of it. Chuck, thank you so much for those stories. Those were crazy. So I hear you might have a couple things coming up. You want to tell me about it? I had a world tour booked with my band, Mad County, 25th anniversary. Canceled. So I had nothing to do. And I went back into the woodshed and I made kind of like an introspective kind of rock. I don't want to say folk, but I, nah, it's not folk. It's just mellow. And it's, they're, they're nice, pretty songs. And I, and I can't wait to share them. And uh, they're coming out soon in like a month. I'm going to drop a single. Called uh, Chuck Robertson and friends, bunch of buddies of mine, and a couple actually my buddy's dad. Multi generational. It's, it's fun music. It's for everybody. But yeah, Chuck Robertson and friends, all out of dreams, coming out soon on all the platforms. And the first single, Mountain Flower, will be out in like a month. End of April. Cool. We'll keep an eye out for that for sure. Yeah, I look forward Thanks to hearing for that. that too for sure. So. Would it make you feel much better if it were 
Thanks to Chuck for the stories and for that song. As Chuck said at the very end, he does have a solo record coming out very soon. You should buy it. Now, coming up next, we have a story from Ivy Boyd, who you may know from her monthly segment on the Bobcast, Mysterious Musings with Ivy Boyd. You may also remember Ivy from the multiple times she's been on the Bobcast in some other ways. Ivy contributed a ghost story to one of the ghost stories series of episodes. She was also a contestant on the very recent paranormal trivia episode. So yeah, Ivy is always an absolute pleasure to have on the Bobcast. Here she is with a story about some strange lights in the sky and also some shadow people. Stay tuned. So I think one of the first uh, UFO type stories I want to share is something that um, to preface this, I really open-minded accepting parents, which is awesome to grow up with. And growing up, my dad used to tell me stories about how at our house, I think it was when we were living in Catalina in Arizona, he used to see these big orange balls in the sky. And he's a smart guy and they didn't really move like a weather balloon or, or anything. And he never really knew what they were, but he used to always see them outside of our house in Catalina. And then maybe... 10 or so years ago um, and we live in Topeka or we had been living in Topeka at the time me and my sister and my mom were going to uh, the hospital that my dad works at in Topeka 
And we look up and we see this big orange ball. And I remembered my dad talking about how he used to see them all the time at our house when we were growing up. And I don't remember that because I was just like a baby little toddler. Sure. But I remember seeing him being like, that's like what our dad used to talk about. And we watched it as it weaved through the tops of some of the buildings in Topeka. And then it just shot up, just boom, and disappeared. Just like that. Absolutely not a weather balloon. And I'm like a skeptical believer. And I remember going home and Googling and my mom and my sister saw it that were with me. And we were all just like, um, like you guys saw that too, right? Like what was that? And to this day, like, I, I don't know. Oh my gosh. And this was obviously like nowadays, it's really hard if that happened today because everyone and their mom can buy a drone online for relatively cheap. But this was like pre-cheap, affordable drone from Amazon era. So I I, I don't know. Wow. Okay. Big orange, almost not like glowing, but almost kind of reflective, which is what makes you think, could this be a weather balloon? Because they can be kind of silvery sometimes, but... No weather balloon moves like that. <laughs> Not like straight up and then gone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they don't like zip and zag around real quick and then whoop and then just disappear into the sky. <laughs> wow. Uh uh-uh. uh. And that was Topeka, Kansas, you said is where where that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He used to see them and I it might have been somewhere else in Arizona, but I think it was when we lived in Catalina he used to see them. And then, uh, yeah, we saw it again in Topeka, and I've never seen it again since then, but I remember thinking it was a coincidence that, is it watching our family? Like, my paranoid mind starts going, are they keeping an eye on us? Did they follow us or something? I don't know. Uh, gosh, another one. This is also another, like, Arizona and to Kansas thing. There's a, And I know this is pretty common, where you'll look up, and it looks like a star or a satellite, just, you know, a little tiny bright light in the sky. But it's not a star. It's not a satellite. They kind of, you know, move around. You'll see them kind of meet up and then disperse. They'll kind of disappear. And, and that was another thing that I always grew up hearing about. My parents would talk about how at my grandparents' house in Safford, Arizona, there's a mountain behind their house called Mount Graham. And they used to go outside at night and watch these, what looked like stars. But they kind of move around. Two of them would meet up and make a bright light, and then they'd split up again, doing all these crazy things. Again, this is like pre-drones. No one's doing that that we know of. There's also military bases out there and stuff, so who knows? Sure. Or it's not a military base. It's an observatory is out there, which is another thing that some people get kind of like weirded out. They're like, why is there an observatory where we see UFOs? Kind of spooky. And that's something else I grew up hearing about. And then that is something that I myself have witnessed now as an adult living here in Kansas. There's been a small handful of times where I know it happened one time I was in high school, not to brag, but I was the captain of the color guard team <clears throat> for a band. <laughs> and we were, it was like, it, I know things. And it was late at night and we were um, practicing pretty late um, on the football field. And I remember looking up, and at first I thought it was a satellite, because satellites will look like a star in the sky, but they just move real slow and kind of a straight line. Yeah. And it was doing that at first, and me being me, I'm joking about aliens, and then all of a sudden it starts kind of going weird, and then boom, it just disappears. Just disappeared, and we were like, oh, uh, well, and I know satellites can disappear if they hit their Earth's shadow, but, like, this thing wasn't moving like a satellite, so I, I... I don't know. Again, yeah, something really weird, especially the way the, you describe the movements of the objects. And yeah. that's pretty, 
very unsatellite like i would say mm-hmm. for sure so and, and i feel like that one's a little more common for ufo phenomena like i'm a little embarrassed to say i don't know that much about like alien theories ufo theories i'm more into like the spooky spirits ghost paranormal side of things but another thing that kind of branches the two of them is i've seen shadow figures or shadow people many times in my life a lot of people see them during sleep paralysis which is how they started out for me and i know that there are also theories that these shadow people that people will see are potentially um extraterrestrial we don't really know some people think they're spirits some people think they're inhuman entities like demons or something but there is a theory that they're from another dimension or extraterrestrials because they tend to just watch us. And that's always been my experience is that they would be in my room at night. Sometimes I was in sleep paralysis. Sometimes I wasn't, but more often than not, they just stand there and watch you. Why else would something want to stand there and watch you unless they're observing us for a reason? Sure. Whatever reason that is. Yeah. We don't really know. (laughs) I mean, but that's, that's, yeah, that's a very common theory is what I've been running into for sure. Yeah, and something that, because this is another thing that I've just racked my brain around for years um, on top of all my other wild experiences, which is why I am the lunatic that I am today. But I know a common theory is that they could potentially be observing us with, you know, psychic abilities or something. Like, are they observing us in our dream state? Are they observing our mind while we're dreaming and while we're incapacitated and don't know that they're there? And because I've had a startling amount of like UFO encounters, seeing weird things in the sky above me. And then you throw in these like weird figures that show up in my room at night. Could they be extraterrestrial? I don't know. I've never woken up with weird scars on my back or like an abduction story. Yeah. Yeah. No dead cows, (laughs) mutilated cows in the general surrounding, surrounding areas. Okay, good, good. There was, uh, there have been a few times where it's like, we're driving home at night and I see like a white barn owl sitting on a post that like watches as I drive by. And that's always spooky because they're kind of associated with like a lot of ufo stories and abductions in alaska is people seeing white owls so that's always a little bit spooky when i see a white owl i'm like okay am i gonna see like a shadow person tonight is there a weird light in the sky (laughs) it wasn't too scary at first because my rational brain was like oh it's a sleep paralysis hallucination like it's scary in the moment but you wake up in the morning it's like oh i hallucinated and then you see them outside of sleep paralysis and it's like oh uh, well, I didn't hallucinate that. But then after so many times, I just like, I don't know, I kind of got used to it and they never really did very much. So after a while, it was just like, you know, laying there with my sleep paralysis, see one in my room, like, oh, there's a shadow figure. I guess I'm going to go back to bed. Cause I don't, I don't know. <laughs> what, what are you going to do? There's at that point, there's not much you can really yeah, do and, about it. And they never really did very much. Like sometimes they kind of move, like peek out of a doorway. Um, one time, one of them uh, locked my one of my older sisters out of her bedroom. Um, basically, the story was we woke up to someone knocking on our wall or knocking on one of our doors, and we go and look, and it was really late at night, like midnight or one in the morning or something. And it's my sister; she had taken her dog or her dog out to go potty, and something locked the basement door behind her. And then when she looked it was like something was pulling back the curtain and then let it go. And so she was like, Oh good. Whoever locked the door saw me, but it wasn't any of us. And so all we could think of was, well, was it one of these shadow figures? And after we let her in and we're like, Oh, wasn't that weird? Or maybe the doorknob was just being old and funky and somehow locked itself. We go upstairs uh, to go back to bed. 
And I look and I see a shadow figure on the other side of my room as I'm laying down in my bed. He leans down in my closet and leans back in. And I was like, oh, okay, it was the shadow dude. Like, he locked the door. Ha, 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 you're funny. And then we went and slept in the living room together because wow. we were scared. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> it's definitely interesting. And it was one of my, it was that same sister that saw them before anyone else. And then she kind of warned me about it because I was going to move into the bedroom where she saw them. And I was like, oh, she's trying to scare me. And then I started to see them. And then other people in the house saw them. One night, uh, my mom stayed the night in my room with me because I used to, you know, wake up and see them at night. And she wakes up and she just starts screaming, which wakes me up. And I'm like, mom, mom, what is it? And I look up and there's like a bunch of them in my room, like five, six, seven. I don't know how many, but the window was behind them. And the moonlight was kind of coming in so I could see their silhouettes. And I didn't say anything yet. We're just like trying to calm my mom down. My dad and my other sister come running in. They flip on the light and we're like, what, what, what was it? And she goes, Ivy, I saw them. And it was important that she said them because we had only ever seen just one. Sure. And so the odds of me and her both like thinking we saw a bunch of them at the same time was really slim because that wasn't something that happened. But that was the moment that I knew like, oh, these are real. Like we saw them at the same time. We didn't say anything. We didn't say, Hey, do you see those shadow figures? And then in our half asleep brain was like, yeah, sure. I see them, I guess. So. Well, and all, during that time, like you said, you were kind of like a teenager in those years. Yeah. Those were uh, some pretty messed up teenage years. I, I had poltergeist activity going on. Um, this all started when we used an Ouija board. So there was other weird stuff going on. We were dumb kids that didn't know what we were doing, but that was just kind of on top of other things happening. We also have had these weird figures that would visit us. Right. And, and during that time too, you had seen some of this UFO activity mm -hmm. or potential UFO activity. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So it's all kind of like at the same time. That's amazing. It, wow. it, it starts to kind of connect as you think about it sometimes. And as much as you try and search for answers, it just kind of opens the door for even more questions. So Absolutely. to this day, when people ask me like about my exact thoughts or what I think it is, I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> right. I just know something weird happened for yeah. a few years. And like you said, that just raises more questions about even yeah. what, what the shadow figures are compared to maybe what you would think about it. If there were no UFO activity kind of in your life at that same time, potentially, or however you want to say it, or, you know, in a time close to that anyway, so. Yeah, and it wasn't until kind of recently that I, because I used to always kind of fall under the category that, like, these shadow people are just, like, low-level demons or some sort of inhuman sphere just kind of messing with us. But then, yeah, once you kind of think about the time frames and you hear about other people's stories and people receiving telepathic messages from them and all this other stuff, that's what makes me slowly become inclined to believe like are these others some sort of higher being or they're from a different dimension or ultra terrestrials like what are they thank you ivy for your story a couple ways you can keep up with ivy one way follow the ghouls trip blog which is ivy and hannah and their writings on haunted locations around america another way to keep up with ivy Grab a copy of a brand new book that Ivy is featured in, and that book is titled The Feminine Macabre. It is available through Amazon and some other locations. I will post links on this episode's page of the Bobcast website so you can check out Ghoul's Trip and The Feminine Macabre. The final story is coming up, 
and it is told to us by Marcos Klein Marquez. Marcos is someone I met in downtown Los Angeles a little over a year ago, kind of right before COVID really hit. Remember pre-COVID days, like before March of 2020? God, it feels like it was years ago. It really does. Well, we were in downtown LA. There was a display of a section of the Berlin Wall in a part of downtown LA called El Pueblo de Los Angeles. And I was reading the wall because there was a letter to Donald Trump that was written on this section of the old Berlin Wall. That letter basically said the Berlin Wall was basically a symbol of division and that the United States should more or less reconsider building the border wall with Mexico because we didn't need any further divides in our lives between our friends and families and loved ones, etc. That was, you know, I'm paraphrasing at this point, but as I was reading the letter on the wall, Marcos walked up to me. Uh, we started talking. I found out he was part of that wall project, and that project was called The Wall Against Walls. Marcus and I ended up exchanging information, and we've been talking you know, here and there ever since then. Another thing Marcos does is he is the owner of a production company, which is called Altered L.A., and he does a lot more than that. Marcos is a very, very busy person. I'm really glad he took the time to tell us the following tale about strange lights in the sky in Mazatlan, Mexico. Here's Marcos with his story. A UFO, right? Uh, an unidentified flying object. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean that it translates to a, hey, I saw a spaceship. But, but, but the experience was certainly unique. And I, I was trying to, I, I was texting with my dad, right, uh, last night knowing that you and I were going to be talking about this today. And we, for the life of us, neither one of us can remember the year. But we know it was in the 80s. We know it was in the 80s, and we were on vacation in Mazatlan, Mexico, mm. right? Coastal community, the western part of the country, um, and, uh, but on the mainland, not on the, not on the Baja Peninsula. Warm weather, warm, everything's nice, warm water. And this was right at sunset, when uh, we were still on the beach. And as a matter of fact, I remember clearly that my mom had already said, guys, time to pack it up. You know, the sun had just set and uh, time to pack it up. Uh, let's, 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 let's go inside. Let's go back to the hotel. And people on the beach started pointing at something over the ocean. So we were looking west. And what they were pointing at, we all turned around. And what they were pointing at with this was this glowing, just light, right? This, uh, but it was big. It was big. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't like a star or anything like that. No, it was. It was more like the, like, like the size comparable, I guess, to the moon, if you will, in terms of the. It's not the size of the moon, but it, it, what the moon would look like for 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 us on a full moon, right? So this large circle that was just glowing, 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 glowing red, and then it started shifting colors, right? And 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 that's what we could see. We could see this just glowing light. Eventually, it separated and formed a triangle, right? It with three, with three, it separated into three separate units and, and you know, one stayed up here and two moved down here. And they were about the third of the size of the larger one, but separated like that. And then they, 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 it was started kind of spinning and people on the beach, man, were going nuts. The moment it formed the triangle, right? 
which uh, you know has some religious sim- uh, symbolism, particularly in Christianity or Catholicism, right? With like the Son, the Father, the Holy Spirit. I guess that this uh, the Holy Trinity. Old ladies fainted. I mean, old ladies fainted on the beach, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like and there were hundreds of people on the beach, and so then this thing. I remember clearly. It joined. They, they joined together after spinning, right? Joined together again, and formed more of an oval, right? So instead of being a perfect circle, it 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 it, it stretched out, right? So so it either squished up or 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 it was always like a cylinder like that and just did that, right? You want more uh, Christian references, which made everybody you know more old ladies faint. It took the shape of like a fish, and and this thing is slowly moving towards us. And over us, the whole thing lasted twenty minutes, and then it goes back into a cylinder, right? Took a few other shapes, and all of this is changing colors, right? It's glowing and changing colors, right? And then, when it got up to you know above us, a little bit past past us, it it, it like took off. I mean, I, I I wish I could tell you that there was like it, it, it sped up and left or something, but the whole the, the, this thing had been moving this way, and then just. And, and so it felt like it left. It could have just disappeared. That was just what, you know, the way we felt that all of us remember it the same as in having sped off further east, right? And um, it, it was 20 minutes of everybody standing on the beach, people screaming, ladies fainting, wow. and, and, and just everybody in awe. What in the hell is this? You have no idea what it was. And this is, you know, early 80s, mid 80s. So it's not like, You've got all of the apps and people taking pictures and right. blowing up on social media at the time because it didn't exist. Uh, and to this day, we have no, we, we all have the same recollection of it. We talk about it from time to time, uh, wondering what it could have been. We debate whether or not it's like the lightning balls or whatever they're called. Some, some type of, it's, it's not uncommon in certain parts of the world, I guess, for, for like glowing balls that, that are electricity really that, uh, that, that, that form. But what was unique about this one is because you hear about those and, and they tend to be like small and roads or whatnot. But what was amazing about this one is that is, I mean, I guess it's all perspective and there's, when there's nothing behind it, you can't tell the distance, right? So just simply being in the sky, it could have been 10 feet away from us and this big and it just felt like it. We all saw it like it was huge. But the reality is, is we had about a mile of beach full of people and everybody was looking that way. So it's not like it was right on top of me, right? It was, it was in the sky it was uh, 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 a ways away, right? Uh, so you, you start looking at details like that to try to like triangulate and no, everybody was just pointing out regardless if you were 500 yards that way or a mile that way, everybody was pointing out. Nobody was pointing that way. And then, you know, nobody was doing that. Sure, sure. And like you said, it's Mazatlan, tourist beach, people everywhere. Right. And everybody saw this happen. Everybody. Everybody saw something happen. Everybody. Thank you, Marcos, for your story. Thank everyone who contributed to this episode with a story. Ivy Reed, James, Rob, Chuck, Ivy Boyd, and again, of course, Marcos. Thank you all so, so much. Here's a thing about all these stories. To me, they've all been told before by other people in some way, shape, or form. That thing in the sky chasing Ivy's car, something landing in the backyard in James's story, but while he was on acid, which, by the way, is something I've read. If you're on acid or your brain's kind of wired a little bit differently for some reason, that can be kind of a beacon for beings that operate UFOs. Yes, something to think about there, right? Rob and his story about losing time, 
Chuck and the objects in the sky and that really gnarly confirmation by government people, that was fucking gnarly. Uh, by the way, Tom DeLong, I do owe you an apology for all the shit I've talked about you through the years. I haven't really talked that much shit about it. Anyway, Ivy Boyd and her stories about the balls of light in the sky and the shadow people. Marcos and his story about the lights in the sky making like religious symbols. All that strange stuff has been seen, felt, encountered by other people many times. I I think UFOs are fascinating, but to me, they're also a little bit terrifying. I would definitely expect more UFO content on the Bobcast moving forward from this point on. Also, definitely watch Hellier if you get a chance, if you're interested in this kind of thing and you haven't seen it yet. And I would definitely suggest reading the Mothman prophecies, kind of if you want to know more about that paranormal UFO kind of tie together. It's really, really interesting, really cool. And they're both those things are great starting points into the world of UFOs. Like, that's how it's kind of going for me, for sure. Well, it is time for me to travel back to the planet Remulac. Yes, that's going to do it for me. That's going to do it for this episode. Thanks once again to all the story contributors. You're all amazing people. You've all seen amazing things. I appreciate you telling me your stories for this episode. Thanks to the bands, Creepazoid, Bison, and Mad Caddies for the songs in this episode. You all made this episode even more out of this world than it already was. A huge thanks also goes out to this episode's sponsor, Discount Cemetery. Yes, go to www.discountcemetery.com. The finest in fearsomely wonderful, beautiful, amazing clothing is yours for the taking if you but go to that website. Also, when you check out, do remember, use code Party with Bob, you'll get 20% off your entire order, and that will save you a few bucks. So it's quite the deal. Thanks again, Discount Cemetery. You are the best. Of course, as always, thank you for listening. Please don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review the Bobcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please consider joining my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash I want to party with Bob for exclusive and bonus content. Here's one last song by the band Bison. The song is titled Primal Emptiness of Outer Space. What an absolutely perfect song title, a perfect send-off and end to this episode. Thanks so much for listening to the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. <laughs>